CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, the guys are getting ready behind me on this Friday night before the long weekend. Here is what's coming up on the show tonight. Cat getting scratched this month. The stock down more than 10%. And the chartmaster sees something in the charts that could spell even more trouble ahead. Plus, how low can the 10-year yield go? Rates hitting their lowest level in almost two years. Mike Coe will tell you how to profit from one name that will keep going up as they keep falling down. And later, Dan Nathan will tell us how he's making money from the trouble on the home front. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. All right, let's get right to it. It was a wild week for the markets. The S&P locking in its third week of losses in a row as Wall Street just can't seem to shake the escalating trade tensions. Check out some of the stocks taking the brunt of the impact. Caterpillar, Apple, U.S. Steel, Deer, Micron, all down double digits in the past month. And the chart master says there is more pain ahead for one of these names. Carter Worth is at the plasma. CB Dubs, take it away. Sure. So Caterpillar, I mean, this is the epicenter of all the trouble in many ways, and it's a perennially cheap stock. It's probably cheap now if you wanted to look at P, but I don't think that's going to matter a bit. Uh, several charts. So here is a decade worth of Caterpillar. And one could say, so what's the problem? It went from 20 to about 122, where it is now hitting a high of 175. Here's the problem. All of this, there's just no alpha. It's been underperforming the market basically for the past seven, eight years. So if you underperform in a bull phase, what's likely to happen in a real bear phase, cyclical name and so forth? So let's zero in on this a little tighter. Now if you were to look at the past two years, 17 to 19, this is the Christmas low, right? Now I'm gonna put in a line here, take a look. The Christmas low, in fact that's a September low, that's the Christmas low. What we know is that this stock is yes, slightly above its Christmas low, but where is it relative to the market? It's almost, frankly, making new relative lows. This is a problem. Let's keep going. Here's the S&P, SPY. Here's the XLI. Similar. Now let's put in CAT, another way to look at it. Comparative lines versus relative lines. Here comes CAT. Take a look. And what you've got is this. In fact, CAT <coughs> is almost down at um, its two-year lows. So the chart itself of CAT, where might it be headed? We have this triple top. You can see it here. I put it in green. I'll highlight it again with these circles. That's an issue. We also have a break in trend. Let's do another chart. Same tops. Here's the break in trend. So we've got this. We've got that. We've got that. And we have the break in trend. Where might we go? To the low. Let's change the lines one more time. Were we to go here, close at 122, that's 112, and I think that's what's going to happen. 122 to 112, it's enough to warrant taking measures if you're long, getting out, and or being short. All right, Carter, thank you. Mike Coe's with us tonight from San Francisco. So, Mikey, what's the trade? 
Yeah, so, you know, it's an interesting situation in Caterpillar. You know, this was a, a favored short some time ago. People may remember they were talking about a commodity super cycle. Obviously, whether it was going to be good or bad depended a great deal on China. <laughs> and it did manage to bounce back from some of those lows. And obviously, it's bounced back a little bit from those December lows. And the bulls might make the case that right now the stock looks cheap. Here's the thing about cyclical stocks. You have to be very careful looking at multiples because typically forward-thinking investors recognize that there might be some hazards ahead. So when you start seeing really cheap multiples, that actually can be as much a warning sign sometimes as things like high dividend yields. So I, I'm inclined to go along with Carter here. I think that the fundamentals are telling us that basically investors have some significant skepticism about whether they can keep up their level of performance that we've seen over the course of the last 18 months. So I was looking out to July, the 120-110 put spread. That would cost about $2.75, pretty close to the quarter that we, of the distance between the strikes that we typically like to spend on trades like this. One of the reasons we're looking at a put spread is because in addition to the skepticism that you see in the multiples, we're also seeing that in terms of implied volatility, which is a little bit above average here. So that's one of the reasons I think we're going to look to a spread. Also, that helps mitigate, in any case, the decay that we're going to have between now and then if we're looking for a trade that runs out a couple months. Okay. So, Dan, what do you think? So here's the thing. I got a couple things. I, I don't disagree with the technicals, and I don't disagree with the way Mike's playing it. But I'll just tell you this, that, you know, the last time we had a real growth scare from China was 2015 and 16, and Caterpillar's earnings declined. EPS, 25% for those two years consecutively. In 2016, they had $4.40 in earnings. This year, they're expected to have $12.38 up 10% year over year. That seems very unlikely. So Mike's trade lining up with Carter's technicals, it all makes sense except for one point. This company's going to report their Q2 earnings on July 24th after July expiration. So you may get this flush that Carter's talking about. I think you really want to be careful pressing that short into earnings. Mike's trade gives you that leeway down to those lows. But if it does get back to that lows into that print, I'm not sure you want to stay short throughout that. So to me, you know, you really got to be cognizant of timing. That's why we have these expirations, third Friday of, uh, of every month. Um, but, you know, you may get there before earnings. I'm not sure you want to be short into the print if it is down there. Right. And the interesting, the Caterpillar, you think about where it peaked. It peaked in January of 2018, whereas most stocks at least attempted to get back to new highs in <coughs> September, October. This is an issue. This is, uh, this is the epicenter. And I think there, there are greater risks still, uh, despite people <coughs> might think that it's cheap. It's not. Okay. Mikey, I'll give you the last word on this then. Yeah, I, I think Dan makes a good point. Obviously, you want to keep an eye on catalysts such as earnings. And this name, and frankly, every other one, we talk about trades. We're going to have quite a bit of time between now and that next one. You know, their numbers actually, when they have reported over the last four quarters, have been pretty decent. But the stock hasn't responded well to them. So you know, the real question is, if the stock does happen to drop between now and that report date, we're going to have an opportunity to adjust this trade, and we'll probably want to before that earnings rolls, rolls around. Okay. So let's move on to the home builders now. The XHB, that's the ETF, tracks the space, getting a boost today. It's still on track, though, for its worst month since December. Dan says the group's about to see even more shaky ground ahead. Is that right? Well, here's the thing. You know, the XHB as a group has traded very well relative to the S&P 500. It's up 30% from those December lows versus the S&P that's up 20%. Interestingly, though, it did not confirm the new high earlier in the month that the S&P uh, made. And I'll just tell you this. A lot of people are focused on rates here. The 30-year fixed is at the lowest levels of 2019. I think the average over the last week was 4.06. That's down from 4.66 a year ago. That's actually big news, and that's something that you would think would be 
very bullish for new home sales. But we just got some data yesterday saying that new home sales, I mean, it was a bad number, and new home sales of recently completed was down 14%. That was really bad. The no, stocks, mortgage apps, even with rates being low, were down too. So my point is, I think that you know rates going down right now are for the wrong reasons. We know, I know that you've been saying the 10-year Treasury is going to 2%. That is not exactly bullish about growth. And then when you look at what we've seen about credit card delinquencies, we're seeing them at levels we haven't seen since 2011. There's been some data out about major appliance purchases getting slammed. So you put that all together, and I say to myself over the next few months, I'm not so certain, given the outperformance that the home builders have, that this is a place, A, that I want to be. I don't think it's setting up to make new highs. And B, the first hiccup about downgraded growth here in the U.S., we know we're seeing it outside the U.S., XHB is going lower. So to me, look at that chart right there. Um, that is the XHB, massive double top at that high from October. When it didn't break out, it then broke that uptrend that had been in place since December. I'll let Carter speak to that later. To me, this is kind of a simple trade here. I'm looking at the September expiration. I'm going to give this a few months to play out here over the summer. When the ETF was trading at 39.75, you could buy the September 40, 35 put spread, paying $1.25 for that, buying one of the September uh, 40 puts for $1.75, selling one of the September 35 puts at 50 cents. That costs you $1.25. It breaks even at $38.75. Um, you know, that's down a little bit less than the price of the spread. Why is that? Because that 40 put is in the money here. And I like the risk reward here. You're paying one and a quarter to possibly make up to $3.75 if the ETF is back at 35 on September expiration. So, interestingly, and I, I'm sure there's reasons for this, you've, there's, there's a high correlation between ITB and XHB. Yeah. But the thing that's helped XHB relative to ITB is, is non-sort of builder names, i.e. specifically Lowe's, Home Depot. Yeah. In this instance, Lowe's and Home Depot are the ones that are struggling the most. We also happened to Lowe's this week, and Home Depot was slumpish as well. So I think you've got the added tailwind of the retail element, uh, just the consumer spending. So you know why spending. I didn't use the ITB? Options trade. By appointment. <laughs> I mean, they're just thinly traded. And there's not a lot but of, there yeah. is an actual yeah. divergence of performance for the first time in a while. Yeah. The things that held this one up is now starting to hurt it. Yeah. Mike, you got a thought on this trade? What do you think? Like it or no? Yeah, no, I, I, I do like it. And, you know, a quick point I would make also, in, in some of the higher-end re, uh, real estate markets, we have seen some evidence that prices are leveling off, maybe even in the Bay Area, in some parts of the Bay Area, they might be taking a little bit of a downturn. That's the first time in quite a while we've seen some of the home builders, like Lennar, talk about how they're going to try to move away from those markets because, you know, we're seeing basically a big divergence between home prices and real incomes, and that's obviously been subsidized by low rates. But at a certain point, you start running out of all of the fuel that's required to help sustain those markets. So I'm with Dan on this one. I, you know, I hate to have us sort of stacking all these bearish bets together on one show. Show, but the fact is, it does feel like we're a little toppy here. Yeah. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, check out our super cool newsletter. What are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up on Options Action. Carter Worth and Mike Co. say there's one stock calling, and you're going to want to pick up the phone. They'll break down the trade. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket. Grab your phone and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. The rate route rages on the 10-year yield Hits its lowest level since October 2017. The chart master's back, though, at the Telestrator. He says that move is good news for one stock. You're at the plasma to break it down, Carter. Well, right, low yields are, are good for a lot of things. Of course, utilities making all-time highs, REITs, but we're going to zero in on AT&T. Uh, well, you can see the numbers. Dividend yields in descending order, right, or not as good to better. 1.85 for SPY, staples, all defense, right, real estate, utilities, energy, and then there's AT&T. That's a big number. We're going to talk about uh, their debt load, maybe back at the desk and some other things. Let's look at the chart first. So many ways to draw the lines. Certainly we could draw them like this. Effectively a head and shoulders bottom. A well-defined neckline with the prospects of a move above that line. We could also draw them like this. Cup and handle with the same well-defined line and the prospects of a breakout. You could also draw them like this, well-defined downtrend. And the beauty of that is that if you do overshoot a downtrend and then you check back to it and you hold and you bounce off it again, that's good stuff. The chart is the chart. It looks quite good. I like it any way you cut it. Uh, an old line loser that is coming to life. So, Mike, what's the trade then? Yeah, so AT&T, you know, we were actually talking before when multiples can be worrisome signs or high dividend yields. Certainly, you don't get much higher dividend yields than 6-plus percent that you're seeing in AT&T. Why are those dividend yields so high? Carter alluded to one of those issues. I mean, you've got a tremendous amount of debt on this balance sheet. Uh, they're obviously dealing with the Time Warner uh, integration. I think these are challenges that people are concerned about. And obviously, their old business, you know, the wireline business is in secular decline. We expect that to continue. Uh, eventually, though, things like 5G are going to provide a tailwind. The company does actually have significant free cash flow. Usually when you're looking at heavily indebted businesses, the thing you're concerned about is if they also have significant negative cash flow. They seem to be managing that all right. And in fact, the CEO during the uh, the AT&T at Pebble Beach, he was re referring to that specifically, saying, you know, I think people are kind of missing the point. This is a company with significant free cash flow. And ultimately, we are going to see 5G, I think, provide a little bit of a tailwind. So one of the other things that we can look at here is that when you have those high dividends and you are concerned about the debt load, so let's say for whatever reason, you really don't want to reach out and buy the stock despite that high dividend because you are concerned about that downside risk. That high dividend tends to make those calls cheap. So if you're going to look for price action in the stock, those calls are going to get quite cheap. We actually see that. The July 32 calls, when I was looking at that earlier today, we're trading for about 95 cents. And let's consider that those are already about 30 cents in the money. So that's really 65 cents of extrinsic premium to make a bullish bet in AT&T because of that high dividend in case the price should start moving up. So I think there's actually a pretty inexpensive way to bet on that positive price action without taking a lot of downside risk by just simply going out and buying calls here. Okay. So, I mean, just talk about the debt a little bit. I mean, if you think about it, telcos are notorious for heavy debt loads. In fact, AT&T is the most indebted company in the world. But debt can pay off. What we also know is that after Apple, AT&T generated more profits than any other company. Um, that's just it. They seem to be managing the situation in a way, and the chart is bottoming. 
Yeah, so I think the way Mike is playing it off of Carter's bottom call is a good way to do it. You're not risking a whole heck of a lot, a few percent uh, for about a month and a half, uh, close to two months. Um, you know, it's already in the money here. Um, that being said, the stock did just rally a little bit, you know, and I think the story makes sense. Everything these guys are saying about all that free cash flow generation, talking about this 5G, um, you know, move into it, that's going to be 2020, maybe 2021. But the purchase of Time Warner is really setting up for this all to come together. And at some point, it's going to make a lot of sense to th- start thinking about what this company looks like when they have 5G, they have the content. What does a new telco media company look like? But in the near term, y- that yield's kind of attractive. The bottoming is kind of attractive. And then the reach for yield, which investors really just started to pay attention to a few weeks ago. So to me, I think it makes sense. I like the way of playing it this way. I think at some point towards the latter half of this year, you're going to see some investors start thinking about what this company looks like in 2020, 2021. Um, the way we saw Disney just explode once they were able to articulate putting all those pieces together and what their future looks like. Mikey, sometimes just simple being simple is the best way to go. Simple Mike. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think that I'm a simple guy. I like a simple trade. But here's one thing I think, think people should also talk about. You know, we talk about volatility a lot on an option show, obviously. When you add more leverage to a balance sheet, the equity becomes more volatile, all else equal. And that's one of the reasons that you want to use options here, too, because obviously we're talking about the fact that there's a lot of debt. I do think it's well covered, so I don't think it's a huge concern. But to the degree that that creates leverage on the balance sheet and could propel the stock more violently than you might otherwise expect, that's why using just a simple call option might make some sense as well. Okay, up next, energy stocks sinking into a bear market this week, down more than 20% from the highs, and there could be more pain ahead. We've got those details. We're live from New York City's Times Square. There is more options action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look at a couple of our open trades. Back in March, Dan predicted the XLE would run out of energy. And I'm looking at the XLE. Where did that get rejected? At 65. So I think there's an opportunity to get short the XLE with defined risk. You can buy the XLE June 63.56 put spread, paying $2 for that, buying one of the June 63 puts at 290, selling one of the 56 puts at 90 cents. It costs you two bucks. It breaks even. This is one of those what will Dan do now moments. It's exactly right? that. Energy's Scott. in a bear market. And we've been doing this for 10 years with you. What will Dan do next? Here's the thing, okay? I nailed the low in March. I mean, this stock, this ETF rallied like 10%. But in the last month, it's down 10%. It's actually in the money here pretty nicely. I mean, the chart's a disaster. I'll let Carter speak to it right here. I think this is one of those views where I think we're going to see mid-50s. I'm not sure we're going to see it in the next few weeks or so. So I think you want to take the small gain and probably roll it out to July. Give yourself some more time. I will actually had a particularly bad week, and it, and it actually dropped and gapped. It's only had three or four gaps in the past 12 months, and usually that kind of jarring weakness is followed by further weakness. Sure. So at a minimum, uh, XLE lower. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the the 
key driver is going to be oil. Oil got hammered this week. These businesses also happen to be fairly levered, so that volatility we were talking about just one block ago also applies here. The one thing I would say is that I, w I agree with Dan rolling it out, and the reason is that after this precipitous gap, you might actually get a brief pause, I think, before it continues lower. So my inclination would be to give yourself a little bit more time. Okay. All right. There you go with that one. All right. And just about uh, a month ago, Mike said consumer staples might stumble. Here is your double top. And all of this greatness is, in fact, this, an alpha killer. Meaning picks made here have cost you in the sense that you could have, one could have found other things to buy. That poor relative strength is the issue. And I don't see anything fixing that anytime soon. I think you just keep the trade simple. I was looking out to June, the 56 strike put, just 75 cents for that. Okay, staples have been, you know, they've held steady. In. Yeah, held right, in. they've held in. So uh, they have that defensive element the same way utilities and, and REITs, but they are stretched. And in this case, there is a valuation issue. And uh, the betting here is that they can't keep this such much longer. Okay, Mikey? Yeah, so, you know, we've paid about 35 cents in decay. Those 75-cent puts are probably worth about 40 cents as of today's close. But, of course, they expire in June. I think we want a little bit more time. So kind of like what Dan is going to do on his energy trade, I think we want to extend this one and probably roll out to a longer-dated put of the same strike. Give you the last comment, Dan. Yeah, I just think it's important to remember, what are the biggest components in the XLP? It's Procter & Gamble. It's Coca-Cola. Remember what you're paying 24 times earnings for, people, just because you think this is defensive. I mean, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, up next, your tweets, and of course, the final call. All right, let's take some of your tweets. Now, Ryan asks, if I have a 190, 180 July put spread in Apple, would you recommend rolling it down to 180, 170, or just, I just close it out? What do I do? You know, Ryan, it really depends on the market call. Do you think this stock is going to 180? Uh, 70 between here and July expiration. If you do, then you want to roll this thing out and down a little bit. Otherwise, if you think it's getting near a bottom, then you want to take the profit. Yeah, it's a tough call. Yeah. Uh, you got to take a lot into consideration when you're figuring that out. We appreciate the question very much. Let's do the final call. Mikey, you're first. Yeah, I think put spreads and cut will uh, help us execute that bearish thesis that Carter articulated. All right, good stuff. Good holiday weekend to you and your family. The chart master. Well, one long, one short. AT&T on the long side for a nice bottoming out. Uh, Caterpillar the other way, short. Okay, same as to you as well. Long weekend. Danny? Do I get one too? You want one? No. All right. Hey, uh, XHB, I think the home builders, I think this thing is ready to turn. I like playing it with put spreads. And stuff. Did you not want one? No. Hey, happy Memorial Day, right? And to all those who serve, how's that one too? Right. Okay, that does it for on Options Action. Catch us back next Friday. 5.30. Don't go anywhere. Why? You know why? Because Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.